Well, good morning. It is so good to be with each and every one of you in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. And what an amazing week this past week has been. It, it began, for some of you, underneath the tent as we celebrated the kickoff of construction next door at Latimer Hall. It's amazing what one month's transformation can do in a building like that, and I cannot wait to see it to its fruition. And, and it was a great kickoff to the week. And then, as y'all saw with some of the kids up here, we got flooded with kids and servants this past week with VBS it was amazing, and I just want to give another shout-out to Diane McMullen for leading the charge, as well as Tammy Nall and, and all of those that were involved. And I learned something, that I'm not the only adult kid in the room, <laughs> that there were a lot of other adults that allowed the inner child in them come up, and, and, and it's just amazing to see that we are a congregation that's young at heart, reaching the youth and the next generation for Jesus Christ. So praise be God for that. Amen. And so I just want to thank you as we continue worship. I want to thank those of you that may be joining us for the first time, whether you're streaming here or whether you're coming here in person. And uh, thank you for taking a risk, joining us here at The Way. And I want you to know that you're always welcome here at this move of God called The Way Woodstock, where we seek to introduce people to Jesus by sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. And we're going to continue in worship today, and we're going to continue in this series that we began this at the beginning of summer, and it's this, did Jesus really say that? It's looking at the red letters. It's looking at those words of Christ that we see captured in the New Testament, and, and much of which is captured in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you've ever read the red letters, if you will, the words of Christ, number one, you're going to find that they're very comforting. Thanks be to God. Amen. But they're also challenging. And some of them can lead us asking, did Jesus really say that? And we've unpacked a couple of those. And if you missed those, you can listen to them on Spotify or YouTube later and, and pick up on those. But today, we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had that is actually captured in three of the four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, and Luke capture an encounter between a man inquiring about eternal life. What must he do? And Jesus that said, sell everything. Sell everything. Did Jesus really say that? Well, that's what we're going to take a look at today. So turn with me to Mark's account of this encounter. It's found in chapter 10 of the gospel according to Mark, and it begins in verse 17. And I invite you to read along or or, or just listen in to God's word for us this morning. We find this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at these words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, Who then can be saved? 
Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me as we continue in worship this morning? Almighty Father, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege of being able to be led into worship with the heart of children this morning and all that has unfolded in the week leading up to today. God, I thank you for guests and I thank you for regulars and I thank you for those of us that didn't want to be here but got woke up, bumped up and drug here. God, I thank you for all of us that came here because you invited each of us. You welcome each of us just the way we are, but you desire not to leave us as we are. So, God, I pray that your word today would draw us into an encounter with the living word, your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that your spirit would be able to move mightily among us today and open our hearts and ears and minds to what you would have us to hear and how you would have us to live. So, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And all the church said, Amen. 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 This past week, I was reminded of just how precious life is as one of our vacation Bible school kids was being picked up by his grandmother and was listening in on her sharing the story that her own daughter had died recently. And she is now the legal guardian of this precious little boy. And it was heartbreaking. And yet it was heartwarming to see the love of a grandmother for a grandson and and the dedication and devotion that she had for him to come to know Jesus, and she took a risk. She brought him here, a place that she's not familiar with, to a people she's not familiar with, so we could love on her little boy in an amazing week that that little boy had. You see, it's moments like that that often lead us. When we lose a loved one or when we are confronted with the reality of our own mortality, I think that we often pause and we ponder about life, about death, and whether there is life after death. And the one thing that followers of Jesus and those of the Jewish faith share in common is that having been created by God, that there's more to life than what we experience from being conceived in the womb to the death, unfortunately, that we all face because of the fallen world that we live in. That there indeed is life yet to come. There is life to be had beyond the grave. That there is eternal life. And that's clearly what was on the forefront of this man's mind that we read of in Mark chapter 10. Eternal life and and what it must do, what he must do for this. And we don't know if he's faced a near-death experience or lost a loved one or if he's just looking for that assurance to know that he knows that he knows that he might be able to experience that eternal life. We don't know what it is, but what we do know is that he's eager. How do we know this? Because Mark tells us he comes running up to Jesus. Can you picture him running after Jesus as Jesus is leaving one place heading to another? And this man is running up to him and he kneels before Jesus, suggesting some sense of reverence that he has for this man named Jesus. And he asks the question, good teacher, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life. Now, what we don't know is we don't know if this guy's had an encounter with Jesus before. We don't know if he sat and heard some of his other teachings in other places. But what we do know is, is that it suggests by what he has heard that Jesus is someone good and someone to pursue after to get the answer to his question. And it's also equally telling that his question of what he must do to inherit eternal life suggests that not only does he believe that Jesus is good, but that he seeks to do good also. And I don't know about you, but how many of us seek to do good? I mean, this is like the Boy Scout, right? He wants to earn a merit badge here, and he's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It seems both in his greeting to Jesus and also in his question to Jesus that he sees a connection between eternal life and that of being good, of doing good, that of following the rules, if you will, of, of measuring up, if you will, in the eyes of God and God's standards. And, and, and it seems that Jesus picks up on this because his initial response is what? He says, why do you call me good? He answered, no one is good except God alone. And then he goes on and he gives them a list of commandments. He says, you know the commandments. So in other words, this is a man, a faithful Jew. This is a faithful follower of the Jewish faith, and he goes on, and he gives, he gives them this list. He says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Can you imagine the look on this man's face as he listens to Jesus rattle off this list? This is a list he's familiar with. All but one of these is from the Ten Commandments, Rules and guidelines that God had given, handed down through Moses to, to a bondage group of people, Hebrews, that didn't know what it was like to live in the freedom of newness of life, having been delivered from slavery. God had given them these guidelines on how to thrive in the context of community. And so he's very familiar with these, and he's listening to Jesus give these. And can you imagine him doing the mental check? Check, check, check. Oh, I've done that one too. Check, check. He's elated because everything that Jesus has offered to him to follow, he's done. He says so. He says, I've kept all these since I was a boy. But just when this man thought that he had an end, just when this man thought that he had met the bar, if you will, to experience eternal life, Mark pivots in capturing what Jesus says next. We notice that Jesus, if you look to the text, says he looks at this man. But more importantly, that he loved this man. And out of the love for this man, we see him lovingly challenging him by saying, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And just like that, it's like the air got sucked out of the room. This man's elation goes to dejection because he's a man of great wealth, we're told. And we discover that he departs from Jesus with a heavy heart. And if you're like me, you might find yourself pausing and reading this story. If you're not familiar with it, it's sometimes better because you read it with fresh eyes. You might be asking, did Jesus really say that? Did he really ask this man to sell everything? Everything? And if he's asking that man to follow everything, is he asking me? Is he asking you? Is he asking all of us to sell everything in order to follow him and to experience eternal life? Maybe some of us are asking that question this morning, and if you are, you're not alone. 
But if you've ever asked that question in the past, or if you're asking that question now, maybe you've found yourself in the same trap that this man has fallen into, that somehow eternal life is connected to being good, doing good, and following God's rules. And if you've ever tried to do that, if you're like me, you find yourself saying, check, check, oh, wait a minute. I haven't kept that one. You know, it's Father's Day, right? And you honor your parents. Well, I've not honored my parents at times. Am I the only one in the room? <laughs> so where do we go? How do we, how do we look at this, where this man's looking at it in the sense of measuring up? Any of you there this morning? Maybe some of us are. You see, here's the problem with this man's line of thinking, is that it was focused on following rules. Jesus was more interested in him following a ruler. Jesus was more interested in inviting him into a relationship. Why? Because eternal life is not about following rules. Eternal life is about a relationship, and not just any relationship. It's a relationship that God makes possible through Jesus Christ himself. You see, the truth of the matter is, and this is a sobering reality, none of us are good. We like to think we are, right? I'd like to think I am. How many of you would like to think you're good? Am I the only one? But Jesus goes on, he's, you, you hear it in his voice when he says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. You know, we live in a culture that that espouses to be good and to be happy, and that's all that's required of life, to to go on and to live eternal life. It's what we often call moral therapeutic deism. But the truth of the matter is we're not good. We can do good things, but are we good? Well, sadly, we were created that way. Or maybe beautifully we were. I mean, if you look at creation, God in creating, you remember in day one, two, three, and four, what did he say? It was tov. Y'all say that with me. Tov, you've heard me say this before, that's a Hebrew word for good. But on day six, well, when he created humanity, he said it was kol tov. It was very good. God said it was very good, but then chapter three of Genesis comes along. And we realized that we allowed, we welcomed sin in. We welcomed the sense of making ourselves God rather than be with God and allowing sin in, allowing that to come into our lives, that selfishness towards self and elevating self. Well, we're still living with that today, aren't we? Sin separates. Sin is destructive. Sin is what causes those fissures and fractures in our relationships with other people and distances us us from the very one who created us us and the truth of the matter is is no amount of good deeds or following the rules can make us good again only god can you see good people don't go to heaven saved people go to heaven let me say that again good people don't go to heaven saved people go to heaven and we cannot save ourselves only god can and god has he's made it possible through what jesus christ has done Praise be to God this morning. Amen? Amen. You see, salvation comes through a relationship, not rules. Let me say it again. Salvation comes through a relationship, not rules. And so Jesus, in this conversation with this man, and he's saying, sell everything. He's not establishing another rule. He's establishing a new relationship. And he's highlighting the relationship this man has with his wealth, that that relationship he has with his stuff. You know, some of us learn a four-letter word on the playground. Y'all know what it is? It starts with an M. Mine. Mine. (laughs) Right? Jesus knew that for this man, his relationship with his stuff, with his wealth, was the holdout. 
from him being sold out in his walk with Christ and the salvation that Jesus had and offered him. That's why I believe that Jesus was calling him out in this way. In a loving way, it says, Mark says. You see, he knew how hard it would be for this man. And he knows how hard it is for all of us. Because if we're honest this morning, all of us have something we treasure. Don't we? What is it you treasure this morning? Family? Fame? Identity? Job? What is it you treasure this morning? Because the truth of the matter is, I think each and every one of us sometimes have something that is a treasure of ours that we put in place of God. That holds us out from the life that God has for us and desires to give through what Christ has done for us by dying for us. You see, Jesus has held nothing back. He's given his whole life for us. That shows us that God is sold out for you and for me and for all of humanity. He sold out for us. The question is, is are we sold out for him? Am I sold out for him? Are you sold out for him? Are we sold out for him? For what he's done for us and what he wants to do through us. Because you see, there's something that comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. We find a newfound freedom. We find a newfound purpose. And we find an assurance that we know that we know that we know that we are loved and accepted by God. And I got news for you. How many of us never want that? How many of us want that? I think each and every person born into this world desires to experience a freedom, a sense of purpose, and a sense of assurance that no one or no thing can take from them. And the reality is, is that that comes through our walk with Christ. And only through our walk with Christ. You see... The question, the short end of the question I want to ask us this morning is, are we holding out or are we sold out for Jesus? Are you holding out or are you sold out? Because the answer to that question will change everything. It will change everything. I can remember a pivotal moment in my own faith walk with Jesus. It was one that Kristen and I went through together. And it was around 2007, 2008 that this, we had this pivotal moment in our own walk with Christ. I had accepted Jesus as Savior when I was 14 years old. I knew that he loved me, and I wanted to be faithful, and I wanted to be obedient, and he was calling me to ministry, and I said, God, I can earn enough to invest in others doing ministry. I'm going to go do that instead. I don't know how that ended up. I'm standing here before you. But in 2007, 2008, God began to work on us because one of the things that I realized was a holdout for us, a holdout for me, and and Kristen would agree with this, is finances, financial security, that that sense uh, of entrusting God, recognizing that all good gifts come from God, including what we had. And, and, And we were one of those that was faithfully giving and pouring into the community of faith. I mean, we were part of a youth group. We served alongside some youth for eight years at another church. And it was an awesome time. We would even reschedule our days so that we could be there midweek. We could be there on Sundays. We could go with them to Brazil on a mission trip. We could go on all these trips with the youth. We would, we would generously give of our time. And we would give to the community of faith, the church. And we even gave to a building campaign at that church. But we were convicted in that time that we were giving out of our excess rather than our first fruits. 
In other words, we gave after the bills were paid, before we gave to God through His church for the furthering God's kingdom here on earth. And the Holy Spirit began to convict us that that was a holdout in our life. That that sense of calling on my life as a teenager that I had run from for nearly 20 years was because I had a holdout. It was financial security. It was job security. It was family security. All of those things. And it all began to be revealed to us in the sense of giving. And so we began to tithe. We went from, from tipping to tithing. We, we began to give back to God the first 10% of everything that we received. And let me tell you, life has been easy ever since. <laughs> that was good, right? Let me tell you, immediately after that, immediately after we did that, we had moved into the largest house we had ever lived in, largest mortgage we had ever had. And the market fell to pieces. 25% of my pay was incentive pay. And I was the only one earning income in that season of our life together. 25% of the pay went away overnight. But we tithed anyway. And God started to show up. God started to provide. And it's that moment that we began to realize that Jesus had been Savior of our life, but not Lord. Many of us have been there. Many of us maybe are there. You know, Jesus is Savior. It's the gumball Jesus. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you put a quarter in when you need Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Any of y'all ever cried out that? I've cried that out. We want him to save us. But I went from that place to realizing that he didn't want to just be Savior, but he wanted to be Lord of my life. And it wasn't about following a bunch of rules. It was about following a ruler. The ruler. Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't be standing here today if it weren't for that pivotal moment in our own life. And we're not perfect. Full transparency, there are still holdouts in my life that are keeping me from the life that God wants for me. And there are holdouts in Kristen's life and my girl's life and our family life. I know that God would say, hey, you're holding out from the life that God wants because eternal life is something we can experience here, right here, right now. It's not just a future thing. It's not a destination. It's something we can experience right here. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth. earth. Okay. It's something we can experience here. And so I'm so grateful for the words of Paul. They're not red letters, but I love them. In Philippians 1.6 where he says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Because I'm not done yet. Thanks be to God that there's grace at work in my life and in our family's life and in the life of this church. You see, when I'm taken back to this passage, I find myself like the disciples, somewhat shocked that Jesus would actually ask that. Did he really say sell everything? I mean, the impracticality of it all. And to know that, not know how this man's story ended, but I find great peace in what Jesus said to his disciples after this man walked away. He says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, I love it when there's a but in Scripture. You've got to read it. But with God, all things are possible with God. And so in closing, I simply ask this. Did Jesus really say, go sell everything and follow me? You betcha he did. But he said it to illuminate the holdout in this man's particular life. 
that was keeping him from being sold out for Jesus. And he did so also to reveal that eternal life is not connected to a set of rules, but to a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. And so today, as we continue in worship, I simply want to ask this. I'm going to invite the praise team up because I want them to, to, to play underneath a moment of prayer for us. It's an opportunity for each of us, because I just simply want to ask this. In light of this, where is your relationship with Jesus? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, know this. Jesus is here. And Jesus wants to introduce himself to you. And Jesus wants to get to know you and enter into a relationship with you. And we as a church, we're called to help introduce you to him and get, help you to get to know him. And for those of us that have already gone and taken that step of faith to, to say yes to Jesus, and we recognize him as Savior, my question to you is simply this. Is he Lord of your life? If not, why not? What's the holdout? What's the holdout in your life? What's the holdout in your family's life? What's the holdout in the life of this community? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each and every one of us in worship today. He wants to nudge us, just like Jesus, looking to that man and loving that man, the Spirit of God, the presence of Christ in us, wants to look at us and lovingly challenge each of us to the holdout in our own relationship with him. And if we will allow him to, to allow us to sell it and trust it to him. What is it Jesus said? Anyone who leaves home or field or mother or father or child will not have a hundredfold more of all of those things in this world. I guarantee you it won't be easy street. He said even persecutions will come. Jesus said somewhere else in John chapter 16 that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. But man, what a joy, what a sense of purpose, and what a deep sense of assurance you can know, that you can know that you know that you know, that you are loved by a God beyond measure. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can buy. It's only something you can receive. Let us receive today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open the prayer rail up. And just allow this to be a time. Allow God to speak to you today. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the red letters and the way that Jesus, both in a comforting way of defining this man as someone he loved, and yet in a challenging way, called him out on the holdout in his life. And God, I know that that's a parallel to, to my life and to the life of each and every one within the sound of my voice. God, that there are holdouts in our lives that are keeping us from living the life that you have for us. And so come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come and speak into each and every one of our hearts. Begin to to dislodge the holdouts in our hearts, in our minds, the hardened hearts, the hardened thoughts we have, whether it be toward you or toward others or toward ourselves, (laughs) the lies that we've begun to buy into recognize that none of it's ours it's yours we owe our very life to you we thank you for your son Jesus Christ who died for each and every one of us 
So move in this space, Lord. We invite you now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Altar's open.